And God's word says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the reading of God's word. Uh, New Year's Eve. How many of you usually stay up and celebrate New Year's Eve? And you made it here today. Good job. Well done. How many of you stay up to watch the ball drop? Good. Okay, so a lot of, uh, so some of you. Um, it, was, it was a wild party at the Mears house. Janet had to work. Uh, and so uh, uh, Emmeline was in bed. Ariana was doing puzzles in her room. Amelia was, had finished the last pages of Gone with the Wind. And I was working on slides for today. I mean, it was just rocking. <laughs> That's how we celebrate New Year's Eve typically at, at our house. Um, but we had uh, some really cool reflections happen uh, eventually. Uh, when Janet came home from work, uh, I think she came home about 1130. So we still had time to kind of usher in the New Year's. And so we, we popped the cork on our Martinelli's apple cider sparkling apple cider and then we all brought our glasses out and we toasted one another said happy new year and then we spent some time kind of reflecting on 2016 we normally don't ever do this maybe you do this in your families we don't ever we don't ever do this and we started to kind of just take turns sharing about memories through the course of the year and what an amazing exercise to just stop and to think about the many blessings that that uh, have happened to us through the year. There were, there were some hard things in the year as well. We, uh, we figured that we had uh, two family neighbors of ours move in 2016. Um, we had two grandparents pass away in 2016, my grandmother and Janet's grandfather. We had three pets leave our house in 2016. I mean, so it was, there, was some, there was some hardship in 2016. But there were many blessings as well, too. 
Um, and memories that we hadn't thought about, you know, in some time. One of the kids mentioned one of the trips to the beach. Another one mentioned uh, our, the first half of our vacation. Um, other little day trips we would take for the, with the family. Birthday parties and other things that we had done. And it was just a wonderful time to just kind of recount um, the wonderful things that we had done as our family and to count our, the ways in which we feel that God has blessed us through the year. Well, um, that came to my mind uh, this morning as I was thinking about our passage, and our passage has to deal with counting on God's blessings. This paragraph that we had just read is one big long paragraph of praise to God and a call to praise God for his many blessings. And so I thought maybe that would be an excellent way to begin our new year uh, kind of still on the theme of God's glory. We've kind of in a series on the glory of God uh, and detouring from Exodus for a little bit and to contemplate on the blessings that God has given us. And by doing that, by meditating and reflecting on a couple of things from this passage. And so um, this passage that begins in after Paul's greeting in verse one and verse two Verses 3 through 14 is one long kind of majestic run on um, one phrase piled on to another sentence of a call to praise for God's blessing. As a matter of fact, it is the second longest sentence in the Greek New Testament. 202 word sentence. Can you imagine that? A 202 word sentence. I know some of the English uh, language people are like, that is crazy, you know, but this is what this is. I think only in Colossians chapter one, it, there's one that's a little bit longer and it seems like it could be a run on or, but no, this is a really a majestic sentence. It's broken up for us here in order for it to make sense in five sentences and all of those are still long, but this is one magnificent uh, sentence of uh, call to praise God for his blessings. And so if, uh, I'd like to go through this. Uh, passage, and uh, if you would like to follow along, there's uh, in the handout inside of the Redeemer story is the the little insert, and you can follow along as well too. So verse three kind of begins this grand opening with this call to praise: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us." In Christ with every spiritual blessing. You see, he's just kind of throwing that word blessing, bless, bless right there in the first verse. And this is uh, the grand opening in here. It's basically he's saying bless God because of all that he has blessed us with. But Paul, for him, that's not enough. He goes on more and he wants to now just kind of give many different reasons for why we should bless and praise God for who he is. And this uh, this blessing and this praise that he gives is kind of a like a Trinitarian shape to it. OK, I want you to notice that how he's kind of structured this a little bit. Trinitarian. It's a big word there. It has reference to the Trinity. One of the foundational beliefs for the Christian is that there is one God who eternally exists in three separate but equal persons. God, the father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And this opening prayer of praise and a call to praise God for his blessings has that shape to it. 
begins with God the Father, moves to the work of God the Son, and ends with the work of God the Holy Spirit. And so here we begin with the praise, the call to praise God the Father for his electing love. Verses 4 through 6. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as, or this, that could be translated as because, because now he's giving the rationale for why he's made this call to praise, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Praising God for his electing love. He chose us. He elected us. The verb there means to choose or to select or to elect. And so the topic here, this work of the God the Father is his electing love. Many of you are like, oh, I didn't want to hear about election anymore. Now, now this is a different kind of election. It's not a presidential election. This is the choosing of God to save people for himself. And for Paul, this is the call to praise. We praise God the Father because he chose us. This is God selecting to save people. And that this election is... Eternal. Paul says he's done this before the foundation of the world. God's election is eternal. It's also sovereign in the sense that this is God choosing to save people. With no merit, no worth on their own, not of anything good that they have done. God has just sovereignly chose to save us, Paul says. And that this is gracious. This work of God is just a pure outworking of his grace. And that this is in Christ. Notice it says, even as he chose us in him. That being in reference to the work of Christ on our behalf. And that there's a purpose for why he is called and elected and predestined and chosen people uh, to save people. The, the purpose is to be holy and blameless before him. Or to be holy and blameless in him. Now just to be clear, holiness and blamelessness is the result of election, not the cause of God's election. No, his election is purely by his sovereign grace and his sovereign work. And this is the testimony all through the scriptures of God bringing people to himself through his son. Jesus even says these words, and there's many places we can look at, but just a couple of these words from John chapter 6, the words of Jesus himself, when he says, all that the Father, God the Father, gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He goes on a few verses after that and he says, And no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So we praise God for his electing love. Now, I, uh, there are 
there are some kind of tensions that some people have about this teaching about God's electing love. Some are kind of are a little bit curious and they, they have this question in their mind like, OK, wait, God predestines some to be saved. Yes, that's what the scripture teaches. But the scripture also teaches that God still longs for all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And this is a tension I think we need to allow the scriptures to have. Though it may be seem impossible to see how those two statements go together. The Bible teaches both. And we need to uh, neither... Um, neither truth to deny the other one. So we praise God for his electing grace. And I'll be honest, this teaching was for me, for many of my early years as a Christian, was a very difficult teaching to to, uh, really cling to and grasp onto. Because I have always thought, wait a second, no, like I chose God, right? Like, how many of you, when you became a Christian, you chose, you had, you exercised faith in God, which is true. But I've come now to see how reassuring this teaching really is about God's electing grace. Salvation, the work of salvation is not up to me in any way or to you in any way. It's purely the work of God. If salvation was left up to me or to you. If salvation was left to me, I would mess it up. If salvation was up to you, you would mess it up. Salvation is purely the work of God. And what he calls us to is to believe in him. To believe in him. So being uh, chosen of God the Father was not based on fill on the blank, but purely on his love. Being chosen of God the Father was not based on fill in the blank. You could put anything in there. It was not based on any of those things, but purely on his electing love. Unconditional, unmerited love that he would have. For us as his children. That's just a reassuring, tremendously reassuring thought. I have seen these videos before. I think I saw one last Christmas time and I saw one again this Christmas time. Two different videos. And maybe you've seen these as well on Facebook. Um, But what it is, is is a present wrapped by adopting parents to one of the adopted children in their their home. The the children. The children that they were probably foster children and the parents had applied to adopt uh, the child. And when the adoption finally came through, they decided to tell the child by wrapping the adoption certificate as a present and give that present to the child. Have you seen these? You need need a, a tissue or a hanky. And the most recent one I saw just several days ago was after Christmas where they had uh, this son. I think he was probably about eight years old. And they gave him the present and he opens up the present and he's really excited to see this present and he opens it up. And when he turns around, he's like a certificate. And then he looks and he reads and you could see his body language, his head and his shoulders. And the child just can't even look up. 
He just looks down because he's comprehended the weight of what has just happened. The parents were really excited. And what, are, what, did, what does it say? And he couldn't do anything. And he just stood and he hugged his dad. He was chosen. Those parents said, I want you. I want you in my family. I choose you. That child had no power in himself to say, I, can I be a part of your family? No, that those parents chose him. And he knows. He knows what praising God the Father for his redeeming love looks like. And underst- he understands what his electing love looks like. So we praise God the Father for his electing love. But Paul moves on in the next verses and he says, now we praise God the Son for his redeeming love. Because verse 5, it says, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, verse 6, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, the beloved here is a reference back to Jesus Christ. He we mentioned in the previous verse, uh, but he uses this term, the beloved the beloved son of the father. Remember, he's been talking about the work of God, the father in verses three through six. And now he kind of makes a switch to the beloved. And this is the beloved son. This should remind you back at Jesus's baptism when he came out of the water and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased, right? So you have God, the spirit, There, God, the son coming up out of the water and the voice from heaven saying, this is my son. That's the father. It's that same kind of language, this beloved son. And so now he goes on to talk about the work of this beloved son in verses verse seven in him. That is in the beloved. We have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. So this is praising God, the son for his redeeming love redemption here being the word for the money that's given over to buy back a slave to purchase their liberty or their freedom. This is redeeming love. So we are to praise God for his redeeming love in verse seven. Then he goes on to explain what that redemption is in the very next phrase. We have redemption through his blood, that blood being the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross for us in our place. And then he says that redemption is the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. God is not stingy with his redeeming love and his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
So the first part of the redeeming work of the son that we are to praise God for is redemption because he has forgiven us of our sins on the cross. And you could say it this way. This is kind of broken. This this portion of this is broken down here. God doesn't give us what we do deserve. And that is forgiveness. We deserve wrath. We deserve punishment. We deserve for our sins to have the payment that is due for those. And that is death. But God doesn't give us what we do deserve. So he doesn't give us, well, he gives us forgiveness. What we do deserve is his wrath. But then he kind of goes on here and explains a little bit more about the work of the son in in these kind of terms. God gives us what we don't deserve. So redemption through Christ's blood isn't just, hey, I'm going to just forgive you of your sins and everything's going to be okay. No, he actually says, I'm going to forgive you of your sins and then I'm going to bless you with even more things. And this is the language that he uses in verse 11. In him, this is back in the beloved, this is in Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, an inheritance, this is language of sonship again, adoption again. This is children being children of God the Father. Only official children can receive an inheritance in the ancient world. So you'd have to adopt someone, you know, a child who wasn't from your family. You would have to adopt them formally and legally. And then you would say, this is, they become an heir of my fortune, of my kingdom, of all of my riches and wealth become theirs. Paul's saying here, we receive an inheritance. He's predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And then he forgives us of our sins. And he goes beyond that. And he says, now I give them all of the riches of my grace. All. We inherit that. So God doesn't give us what we do deserve, uh, which is wrath. He gives us forgiveness. And then he gives us what we don't deserve. And that's an inheritance. In which we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we praise God the Father for his electing love. We praise God the Son for his redeeming love. And finally, we praise God the Holy Spirit for his sealing love. He goes on now in verse 13, he moves now from the work of God, the son to what the God, the Holy Spirit does in him again, reference to Christ in him. Also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. The promise here is referring to the couple of places in the Old Testament where God speaks about sending his Spirit, a new spirit I will give you. And Jesus even uh, said, um, wait for the gift that the Father is going to give. So we have both the promises in the Old Testament and Jesus himself promising in God's plan from the beginning of time that he was going to send God the Holy Spirit to come and then he was going to seal us. So that inheritance that we get is now sealed and guaranteed is the word he uses in verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? 
So do you want to know a little bit of the riches that you're going to inherit in the kingdom? If you are a Christian and you have God's spirit in you and he is making you new again, he is recreating you into the image of his son, you get just a little tiny down payment of the glorious riches that you will obtain in his presence in his kingdom forever. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So praise God the Holy Spirit for his sealing love. Now I want to close with two final thoughts. First thought is all of God's blessings. Now remember, this is Paul talking about blessing God for all the blessings that we have. All of God's blessing to us are a part of God's eternal plan. Notice the language that kind of punctuates this entire passage about the purpose and the plan and the will of God. Verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 8, which he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. Again, verse 9, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. God's blessings to us through Christ are part of his plan. It's not plan B. There's only been one plan, plan A. So all God's blessings to us are part of God's eternal plan. And then the second final thought is all of God's blessing to us are ultimately for God's glory. Here's the tie into our series on the glory of God. Why we do everything to God's glory? Because God does everything for his glory. To make his majesty and his name known throughout the entire world through the church. Through the blessings that he gives to his people in Christ Jesus. All of God's blessings to us are ultimately for God's glory. And notice how each of these three sections, this Trinitarian shape I told you about. God the Father. God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit, each one ends with kind of a climactic call to the praise of God's glory. Verse six, at the end of this section on the God, the father, he says um, to the praise of his glorious grace. Moves on to God, the son, the beloved, and then he ends that section with to the praise of his glory in verse 12 and then does with. Uh, the same with the work of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And he ends with to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> so we'll put it this way. As our reflection this morning. As a, a, a perfect way, I think, to begin this new year. Our triune God. One God. In three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Has a plan from all eternity. To save a people for himself. Through Christ Jesus. In order to bring praise to his glory. I'll say it again. Our triune God. All three persons of the Trinity. Has a plan from all eternity. 
to save a people for himself through faith in Christ in order to bring praise to his glory. Friends, do you want to praise God for his, God the Father for his electing love, God the Son for his redeeming love? How do you know? How do we know that these blessings are true for us? How do, we, how do we know that we're one of the elect? How can I have that assurance of that? How can I have the assurance of the forgiveness of my sins? That God uh, doesn't give me what I do deserve. How can I have the assurance that God does give me what I don't deserve? How can I have the assurance that I have the seal and the uh, sealing and the uh, deposit guaranteeing that? Paul makes that very clear in verse 13. When you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. All of these things become true. The Father's redeeming love for you, the, the, the Father's electing love for you, the the Son's redeeming love for you, and the Holy Spirit's sealing love for you become true. That you can have this assurance when you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Blessed be the God of our Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's pray. Father God, no words um, I can pray can bring any more power or authority than those words that you've given us in your word. God, we thank you for how you had inspired the Apostle Paul to write this opening greeting to this church in Ephesus and how now, 2,000 years later, to this church that meets here in Byron Center, this could be such a, a word of assurance for us. God, we are amazed at your grace and your goodness. God, we do not deserve to have such wonderful blessings poured out onto us by you, but yet you do by your eternal plan. By choosing to save those who put their faith in Christ through the redeeming work of your son and the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. God, we, we just give you praise for this gospel, this good news and the new life that this brings. God, we, we love you and thank you. God, may these words be 
an encouragement to us this week. That in light of your electing love and redeeming love and sealing love, that we would live lives accordingly. As we've moved from realizing our guilt and have encountered your wonderful grace, may we live with gratitude. May we live in light of the truths that you have revealed to us this morning. God, we ask you to do that. May your word now move into the soil of our hearts and now push down roots within us and bear much fruit for you and for your kingdom. And it is in Christ's mighty name that we pray and all God's people said, amen and amen. Friends, if you would stand for closing uh, benediction. And actually, for our benediction and prayer, I would like to read the rest of Ephesians chapter 1. Where Paul writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May the grace and peace of Christ be with you as you go. Thank you.